Craig Bentos. He's thrown a kettle over a pub. What have you done? Um, when you see someone look at a, 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 a little handicap. And that's yeah. the real quiz. That was yeah. the real quiz. Sperminate. <laughs> it's difficult to tell with the wheelchair ones. They're cracking up. Steve, how are we doing? You all right? I'm good. Evening. Evening. Excited for this one. Very excited for Only this me? one. Only me? Um, this probably you could say is, is probably the office's biggest rival out there uh, in terms of fame. Well, timeline and everything, you know, yeah. been looking forward to this one. Ralph's been a, um, he's been a target for a while, hasn't he? Again, yeah. there's that word target, a target, a predator. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, look, the Royal family for me is, is, is up there with the office. I think Phoenix Knights is probably in that Holy Trinity and uh, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to be able to talk to him. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, just hearing all of his, his views and input into, into the office and, and, and looking at it from a slightly different angle of the fact that it was essentially competition. So it'd be yeah. interesting, interesting vibe. What's the vibe in the second half? <laughs> um, but no, it's uh, it, it's an interesting point because the, the royal family in the office, they're, whilst they're not sort of overly um, kind of similar in the way that they were, they were, they were shot, it, they do still have that kind of feel of um, like capturing the mundane, don't they? Royal yeah, family 100%. wasn't exactly an all action comedy. Um, oh, a, lot no. of that, a lot of that, you know, it helps the fact that he helped you to relate to it so yeah absolutely similar similar but different in their own nice ways different shows for different needs is that where you're getting to that is what i'm getting at (laughs) um and yeah look they 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 both make you kind of fall in love with the characters because they're so real and we we fell in love with we fell in love with lurkio so i'm looking forward to speaking to ralph (laughs) so should we bring him in get him in let's get him in oh Tension, suspense. You zoom for. Start video. There we go. There he is. There he hey. Comes. hey, here he is. How are we doing? All right. How's it going? Yeah, very good. Thanks for joining us. That's all right. Yeah, I'm sure it's uh, you know loads going on and all that. So appreciate it. Oh, <laughs> I'm ever so. I've had to cancel loads of shit on this Tuesday night. Uh, <laughs> going on. Um, I mean, it's actually quite funny that I did have to put it back by half an hour because, like, who's that busy that they're doing anything? But it just so happened it was today. <laughs> but there you go. Well, you got your golf clubs in the background. Is that? Yeah. Do you know what? I was, doing, I was doing a podcast earlier um, about uh, show and tell about things that are, um, you know, things that are important to you for whatever reason. And amongst other things, I had my tea bag bin that goes next to the kettle, so you don't drip <laughs> across the floor. And, um, and my uh, my granddad's golf clubs. When my um, grandparents died. Um, all the cousins and siblings and whatever raced, uh, and I was really soft. The mark raced and sort of snapped up anything of value. Um, <laughs> so I got knackered old golf clubs, but but I sort of feel like I don't play golf or anything, but I sort of feel like I won because actually I don't give, really give a shit about like a wardrobe or whatever that I'm never going to use and doesn't go in my house, but those actually remind me of him. So, but yeah, they weren't actually meant to be a prop. So let me move. We found a, found a lot of that. Everyone's yeah. Like, now, um, now it's all about Zoom, especially everyone's working on Zoom and Teams and other yeah. 
hosting platform. You see the, the woman who forgot she was, for some, just like had a brain malfunction, forgot she was on camera and went another shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally popped, I think she popped her, uh, it must have been a phone, obviously, on the bath or something, wasn't it? It's by the side. Yeah, popped so that she yeah. could still see. Oh, <laughs> mate. I mean, isn't that awful? Bless her. <laughs> How do you ever live that down? How do you ever go back to work? It's, it's, the, what I like to imagine is after she's pressed, she's turned it off because she went and realised and turned it off. What was the next five minutes of her life like? It, it can't have been much more than this. She wanted to look out. <laughs> Uh, yeah. oh. oh dear i mean I, just, I often get nervous coming out like everyone we i think we've talked about this on one of the early episodes of um of a show even talking about the pp the paid poo so everyone you know will especially lads will nip off for that 15 20 minute around 11 had a couple sure, of coffees sure. yeah yeah but then there's always that emergence sort of looking out and just checking who's clocked you going in yeah yeah <laughs> and the timing the timing or yeah. if you um I get nervous for that. So imagine being filmed while you're if on you're the talking, If you're talking to a girl, like not, not on a date, because you've usually sort of timed it more tactically than this, but like you're talking to her, you're out and like, then you're talking to, particularly if it's a woman and you're a bit like, we're getting on, might not even fancy her, but like, it's a woman and you're like, oh, I'm just going to go. I, and then you've got to sort of, you've got to leg it to the toilet and then you've got to fire yeah. it out as quickly as possible. <laughs> you're literally like, you're looking at the time going, if this is three minutes, it could be a long piss. If it's any longer, <laughs> then I'm in trouble. So, yeah. 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 That's very true. This, you know, these are the stresses that I don't think they understand that we go through as blokes. We often this suffer. Why in... Women don't understand that they've got it much easier than us across all walks of life. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know and, it's about, and it's about time that we white men, straight white men, had our yes. day in the sun. When's right. it going to be our turn? That's right. <laughs> More of this. Go yeah. Yeah. We'll get our own, we'll crowdfund for our own platform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh dear. Well, look, we, we really appreciate you. Um, you taking the time to join us. Um, we are ultimately a couple of divs doing a podcast about the office and, um, it's been... the most ridiculous podcast as well. If you, if you'll take that as the compliment, it's been going for a long time and it's like, it's a very narrow specific band of, of, of subject matter that you've got. I mean, aside from that, it's just one show. It's also only 14 episodes of one show. We learned the hard so, way on that bit. I yeah. bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> we can have 14 episodes of this and then what are we going to talk about? Well, we came up with a great idea. We'll do like, it'll be like Gogglebox, but for your ears. So we'll watch it, we'll relive it and we'll invite all the fans and the community to, to kind of get mm -hmm. involved. Um, and then, yeah, the series ended. And, um, yeah, and they were like, right, okay, we're going to have to talk to some people about it now and get some different yeah. angles and, and see, what, um, see what's going on. But I think you, you make an interesting point. Uh, we thought it would be quite niche and quite um, kind of, yeah, narrow in terms of the audience. But we found that everyone's got their little pockets of WhatsApp group clicks or even interacting with yourself on Twitter. You, you just yeah. do that one quote and then yeah. right in. And then, you, and then you spot on your WhatsApp group who comes back with the, with the, with the reciprocal, the correct. Yes. And then you're like, ah, we've got a thing going on. A lot of the time it's the rest of the WhatsApp group doesn't notice. Those are my favourite ones. <laughs> a little <laughs> office quote that you do between you and no one notices. Brilliant. We always, we always said this, that you can always tell that you're going to get on with someone. If just in passing, you just knock out a quote just yeah. because it's what you do and yeah. someone else reciprocates with the right one and then immediately. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Probably spur them on. Yeah. <laughs> You'll fit in here. Has, has, it, has it always been a big part of your your life, and obviously you always loved the show? Or has it done so, it later? No. So, so uh, 
I mean, I hate to, I hate to be this guy, but um, I definitely saw it before you guys. <laughs> well, you're um, a, little, a little bit older than us, but I, no, I didn't mean that. Both in our thirties. Um, Are we? No, no, uh, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> 14, probably. So in two thousand and um, one. Yeah, 2001, I was doing a, um, like, they, there was a little chat show on BBC Choice, I think it was at the time, um, called Up Late With, and they did four episodes of it, and the idea was it, they got four different presenters to come and have a go. And the one who, so it was, I, I, did, a, I did five days, Monday to Friday, of Up Late With Ralph Little, and it was basically just a live show studio, you know, a, a, a talk show. And um, the guy who was producing that was a guy called Asher Teller. Oh, who, amazing. Fans, you all know, is the producer. And Ash and I, you know, were both young and dumb and full of cum and <laughs> kind of, you know, dick. Um, like, when I was 21 and he was, I don't even know how old Ash was. I don't even know how old Ash is. He could have been 55 for <laughs> He's just got this perpetually small, tiny boy face. Um, but um, we made each other laugh and got on really well. And then he said, he's, he's like, Ralph, Ralph, listen. I've got this, this is a perfect Ash Teller impression, by the way. I don't think it's offensive. No, I don't think it is. Listen, I've got this, uh, I've got this show coming out. I want you to have a look, watch, watch the VHSs and see what you think. And I was like, oh, yeah, all right, Ash, I will, fine. And he gave me six tapes, VHS tapes, the office. He said, it's Ricky Gervais, you know, from, um, from uh, Friday, Friday, Friday night show? What's it 11 o'clock show. 11, 11 o'clock show, yeah. Ricky Gervais from the 11 o'clock show. I was like, all oh, right, right, okay. And he goes, yeah, yeah, well, have a, have a watch. And I got in that night at, um, and I was like, oh, I think at about 10 p.m. And I was like, I'll just watch the first one, see what it's like. And I watched, and I put that, I'll never forget, I put the uh, kettle on to boil to have a cup of tea. And I pressed play to watch the first one while I waited for the kettle to boil. And then I watched the entire series all the way through twice that <laughs> night. Wow. Before the kettle, and the kettle never boiled because I was just like, this is, Perfection, perfection. Yeah. yeah, you can tell when something resonates with you if you can remember that the kettle didn't boil. Well, it's funny <laughs> because there's actually two, that, that exact same story is, um, was told to me uh, by John Sim about the lakes when he got the script for the lakes. And he, was, okay. um, he, he was sent it, I can't remember whether he said he'd been cast in it or he was sent the full first episode to, uh, to, um, to audition for, but I think he'd been cast it. And he said he sat down exactly the same thing. And he said, I can't believe that because he told me the same story that he sat down, pressed the kettle to boil because he was going to sit down for a long old read because they're six hour long episodes. And he just said he just couldn't stop turning the pages and never, never made his cup of tea. So yeah, that's, that's the real, wow. that's the, that's the real, that's the, that's that's the real the, quiz. That's <laughs> the standard, isn't it? If you ever, uh, to be fair, I like, I like my tea quite strong. So I often leave it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Five minutes. And then you, yeah. uh, you end up going for 10 or 15 and think, oh, yeah, yeah. It kind of fucked. It kind of fucked us, though, you know. Um, the royal family kind of fucked us. Yeah, because you were a few. What was it? Ninety-eight royal family. Ninety-eight royal family came out and and sort of and I think had finished. I think royal family just finished, or maybe there was one series crossover. Um, and there was a great deal, a huge amount of respect between the, the two shows. Um, I was a massive fan. Caroline and Craig were massive fans. Um, Gervais was a massive fan. Gervais has said, you know, many times publicly that the. The office would never existed had the royal family not gone first, which is extremely generous. But it just sort of kind of fucked us in terms of um, uh, legacy, um, in a way. In terms of had the royal family come out and been out, and then that would have been that, and then the office hadn't happened. 
it would have been for the next four or five years, it would have been historically remembered by people as like, oh my God, that was the show and nothing's come along to touch it. Oh, what, what a show that was. But what happened was we finished, we created that aura and then finished and the office slipped perfectly into that place and occupied that position. And as a result, for the next five, 10 years, I mean, deservedly so, it's a fucking amazing show, but for the next five years it became, oh my God, isn't the office the greatest thing ever? And it was a bit like, yeah, but hey, <laughs> I mean, I don't think Caroline or Craig felt any of that, but I'm um, insecure and narcissist and all that shit. So, um, but yeah, so in a way it sort of, it took our crown so um, uh, readily and deservedly that for a few years, it's not that we got forgotten about, but like, we were slightly, the, our legacy was slightly overshadowed by the brilliance of what it was. But I mean, so what? Do you, think the, do you think the fact that obviously you guys kept going, there was a longer drawn out what, 10 or so years of, of the show, whereas The Office was kind of in and out and done. And then well, it wasn't of... originally, you know, The Office had finished, The Office was long gone and dead before The Royal Family came back. So it's oh, sort of, so, so there was series one, two, three of The Royal Family and two Christmas specials. Yeah, so then it was the specials, wasn't it? So the Office had 14 Christmas uh, episodes and we had 20 in total um, and then the office finished and a few years later after it finished in 2000 and I think six or seven maybe seven maybe later maybe 2008 something like that then uh, what actually happened was Caroline's um, Caroline's nan died in real life and she because she was Caroline she was a genius she was like I really want to I really want to process all these all this emotion about my nan and I'm missing her and the joy of her and her life. I really want to process this cathartically by making an episode about nana, nana dying in the royal family. And that's why we came back. And then I think did two or three more after that. But the intention originally was only ever to do three series. Um, so yes, uh, I, think that, I think that both The Office and The Royal Family both certainly for a time held this kind of, oh my goodness, what a, what a self-encapsulated piece of perfection they were. Um, I mean, I just look, I was just fucking lucky to be involved. I really was. I was just a 17-year-old kid that got dragged along. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think um, it's, we often talk about all the shows and, and we've had chats or we've got um, a kind of podcasty friends then, all friends with uh, like the guys from this country and, and other things that have followed The Office. But it's nice to hear about something that came before. And, mm -hmm. and even, yeah. I didn't know Gervais had said that about Royal Family, actually, but that's, that's oh, yeah. um, big time. Yeah. Before, well, yeah. <laughs> he said that before he was the most famous comedian in the world. I don't think he, he doesn't remember anything pre The Office anymore. <laughs> that, means, that means he meant it. That means it's real. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, for, me, for me, there's a holy trinity. It's the Royal Family, The Office, and Phoenix Knights. Three sort of... Yeah, I'd, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Perfect I think, pieces. Um, I think... Um, and maybe two pints like a packet crisp. Yeah, I don't think that's up there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look... Two Pints was, I, did a, I, I never thought I was going to be an actor. Then I did The Royal Family. And you would think that suddenly a load of like, a load of job offers sort of landed on the table, but it didn't really work like that. It doesn't work like that. A success, even the most overnight success, it takes a while for, for it to filter through to people. It takes a while for the industry to catch up and people to go, oh, I'll, I'll have that guy. Um, so when Two Pints came along, I had quit medical school to be an actor not really done a fucking job for about a year and a half and was like, well, you want me to be a lead in another TV show? Sure. Now, my tastes were always very much veering towards the Royal Family and towards the office anyway, in terms of, 
uh, you know, studio sitcom versus single camera and whatever. So it wasn't my cup of tea. And I, I seem to remember, I do remember being, I was quite down about it. I was quite, I think I looked down on it as a show because I'd come from this extraordinary show, which was only really equaled by the one that followed it, by The Office. Yeah. Um, but I look back now and I regret that. And I regret looking down on it and I regret not enjoying it for what it was because here's the thing, um, it was a hit, right? And hits are hard to come by. They're hard. Yeah. If you're in one hit in your entire career, you're in the extremely lucky 0.5% of actors that have ever fucking lived. Like, so I was in my second hit. By the time I was 21, I was in my, or 22, I was in my second hit. I should have just enjoyed it. Yeah. So there's that. And secondly, in terms of its kind of like content or quality, or some would argue lack of it, but equally plenty would argue not. No, it was a great show. Well, in, that's what I mean. I was kind of down on it. I was down on it because it wasn't the royal family. Yeah, do you know, I think it's one, of the, it's one of those people could look down on it because it was slightly puerile and yeah. it, was, it was a bit laddie. Exactly. But that, that, that doesn't take away from the fact that it was a brilliantly made show that was entertaining for millions of people. And people still but, love it, you know. And I look yeah. back on it now, which when I, I, I don't actually watch myself very much because I'm this weird combination of a, like a chronic narcissist but also someone who fucking hates watching himself. Um, <laughs> an, an insecure narcissist, aren't they all? But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, well, exactly that. And, and people still love it and it really matters to people. And um, the truth is as well, I was probably influenced Everybody, like casting directors, the industry is influenced by, by what's out there. You can't help it. You might think you're above it, but you're not. And I was um, influenced by the fact the office, uh, the Royal Family and the office changed the shape of British comedy for a decade, a decade, in as far as everything that was not um, single camera, no laughter track, um, sort of very self-aware and ironic, and all the things that made the Royal Family and uh, particularly the office brilliant. If a show wasn't that, then it was not very fashionable for 10 years. And what changed that was um, Miranda um, and then Mrs. Brown's Boys. Now, look, I'll be honest, neither of them are my cup of tea. <laughs> That's not to say, you know, I, I'm, I've never been in the business of going now slagging off other people's shows. They're not my cup of tea, but they're extremely popular hits. And both of them have won BAFTAs. And yeah. that's really interesting because ten, like over 10 years after The Office finished, Miranda Hart won a BAFTA for Miranda, and that was single camera sitcom, plenty of slapstick, you know, very balls out studio audience comedy. And what happens is in TV, like in fashion, like in so many things, it's very cyclical, and it came back around. And I do wonder, it'd be a really interesting sort of thought experiment if you could go back in, I mean, if I could go back in time, this wouldn't be the one thing I would do, there's bigger fish to fry. <laughs> but if you could go back in time, it would be interesting to know if there, if, Two Pints had landed in a cycle where studio sitcom was fashionable, again. Had it been around at the same time as Miranda or Mrs. Brown's Boys or the likes of that. Um, I do think the critics would have been far more on board and I think probably it would have been far more respected. But listen, like I say, hits are hard to come by. You've got no regrets. Massively. I think there's some, there something about Two Pints where the characters were just, were just real. Like you could, you could get of? in, you could sit late at night, probably a little bit pissed. And then, yeah. and, and just 
literally it's like watching your mates almost. It, well, it exactly. You know, it did the job thing, of what it was there for. You're never going to win any awards, but you just talk absolute bollocks like you do with your mates. That's the truth of it. And it and it, it kind of it worked. And they didn't. No one really thought it was going to work. And then um, I think that exactly what happened. They they had to repeat loads of it. There was some sort of thing that happened with the launch of BBC Three. I can't quite remember. It started on BBC Two, then the launch of BBC Three got delayed. So they didn't really have any content, so they had to keep on playing two pints. They were like, well, we'll just have to keep on playing this show. And it almost, just by dint of just being repeated, loads more people accidentally found it. Probably exactly that, stumbling back from the pub and going, oh, this is fucking ridiculous. Oh, I love it. Get another beer. And it just became this weird sleeper hit. I still remember, in fact, I still do it now, it, that, the bringing in the sheep song. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's about that a lot. But yeah. you know what? That's mad. You, you can talk about the legacy and whatever of the show i named my cat munch after one of the characters you? <laughs> so you, you know what there you <laughs> what, go what, what, what more do you need you know? <laughs> maybe, maybe between the three of us we should start a two pint super fans uh, podcast <laughs> the office <laughs> is fun now oh, what? Done the office. it's over it's yeah. game over <laughs> well one thing we'd we obviously yeah to to go back a bit behind the scenes we're, we're needing to look at uh branching out into kind of uk sitcoms as a whole so uh yeah, yeah let's, let's tackle tackle that next um yeah okay well while, while we're on the we've got the main the subject, character on the subject <laughs> yeah. of podcasting i've been very much enjoying you and will meller's two points podcast. oh yeah very yeah good. thanks man yeah very well, good i don't we've been talking about doing something together for years and you know, we're a bit old. We, we always felt we were a bit old for this podcasting life, but obviously you two have proved that we're not. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> both um, so, yeah, we, we've been meaning to, and we, I was always under the impression that, you know, YouTubers, podcasters, whatever, not podcasters per se, but YouTubers particularly, people who do this visually, they're all like 18 years old going, oh, I'm in my bedroom. It's, oh, the weather's rubbish, isn't it? And I just get eight yeah. followers. Um, Obviously, I now know it's not quite as simple as that. And me and Will thought, well, aren't we a bit old for it? But it turns out that, no, the world is a rapidly changing place, particularly now that everybody's stuck inside. I mean, everyone's like, well, I've got nothing else to do. I might as well. Um, but yeah, thanks. Me and Will were like, well, what should we talk? Do you know what? We didn't do it for a long time because we were trying to work out what our shtick was, what, our, what was going to be our hook, what was going to be our subject matter, what was, what was going to be our out-of-office theme that we would branch out of. And in the end, we sort of debated it for so long that nothing happened. And then in the end, we went, do you know what? Fuck this. Let's just, just sit down and just put two cameras on us and just chat about the old days. Just chat about anything about the old days and see where it goes. And it seems to have gone really well. That said, I think as we move forward, we've only had three episodes out and people are liking it, um, which is great. But I think as time goes on, we're going to have to find more structure. We're going to have to find a reason to talk about whatever. But um, it was a case of kind of just like, just do it just just say yeah. anything otherwise it'll never happen exactly that you build it all come. <laughs> <laughs> come on come on well, we, we found that with our first ones and we sort of not being from a, a performance background or anything like that, it felt really odd yeah. being in the same room talking to each other but at the same time talking to hundreds of thousands of people you know that, yeah. that's that's yeah. our audience generally on yeah. a slow on a slow episode yeah. hundreds of thousands of people um, isn't it um, um so some people were intimidated talking to large <laughs> bodies, not me um but yeah it, it, um, i think our first few i mean some might argue all of our episodes but especially the first few we kind of felt like we were finding our feet but with you and will it, it doesn't feel as though oh that they, these two aren't 
these two aren't used to podcasting. It, oh, it, 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 it feels really natural, genuinely. And I know, I know, coming from me isn't exactly a, uh, a <laughs> massive, a massive seal of approval. This field and I are by a long way. How long have you been doing this now, you two? Uh, a couple of years now, isn't it? Yeah, really? yeah. About, years. We've dragged it out that long. About eighteen months. <laughs> yeah. Wow, you're really flogging this dead horse, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Milk it for all it's worth. What's the bottom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think if you gen I think if you've got genuine chemistry and you genuinely get on with the person you're chatting to and yeah. you have a bit of humour, which obviously clearly you would have got, then it then it works. That's what maybe where me and Steve have struggled. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you two watched The Office? Oh Christ! Too many, baby. Um, Too roughly long, baby. <laughs> Um, forty-two thousand, <laughs> one hundred and fifty. Yeah, I think um, surely not. I've learned, I've watched it back more, obviously, since we were kind of studying the episodes in a bit more detail and looking for things to to kind of tangent into proper discussions about modern day life and um, um, the little things that have been picked up since then. The little looks at the camera and the news yeah. quotes. What's the last thing? What's the last thing that was? The thing that you noticed for the first time. Ooh. Oh, that's a great what? question. He's flipped it. He's phased us. Look at that. <laughs> I've phased you. I've phased you. Perhaps I should be the Basil Fort character. I've phased you. Probably brings some of that. I'll tell you what mine was, and then I'll give you two more if you need them. Um, <laughs> no, I'll tell you what mine was, because uh, I remember it clearly. I remember going, I never noticed that, and it's absolutely just sublime. Is when he's um, backstage with Dawn. Oh, bloody love being backstage. And he's he's spraying the, the deodorant and it goes yeah. in. And then the the lady comes in, I can't remember her name, but she comes in. He uh so like imperceptibly just sucks his stomach in and carries on yeah. talking. And I think see that the first fifty times I watched it. And the fifty first time I watched it, I was like, Oh my god, I never noticed <laughs> That's and incredible. Just the amount of ridiculous detail. So, what so that's, yeah. that's quite a good one to um to pick up on uh, after that because it's I mean I wouldn't say it's massively obvious but it's uh, it's a big one isn't it so that's uh, yeah. that's interesting to to miss that we spoke to Lucy Davis recently uh, that episode will will be out this week um, and she no, spoke about when they uh, when Ricky threw the cap at her and how many times he had to do that and just bash her on the head with a peak imagine that one I talked to Lucy I did a I did a uh, drama with Lucy Christ about 10 years ago now and she's the most, most glorious person in the world she's lovely and um and she I asked her about filming and she loved it her experience was that she loved it but Lucy is so professional and it's like actually it's like in the royal family that Caroline and Sue were uber professional and all of the guys on the royal family were fucking children just like <laughs> me and me and Craig Cash just howling with laughter all the time in the most appallingly unprofessional way like it, it was it's actually looking back it's embarrassing how i mean it was lucky that he'd written and created it because otherwise i feel like they might have sacked us both but i got away with it because they couldn't sack him right and then and lucy was telling me as well that that um martin in particular and ricky it became ricky's thing was just to try and corpse martin he knew he couldn't get mckenzie because mckenzie's mckenzie's is like his own thing but he knew he could get martin and um, and it just became his mission. And as about Martin in the in the outtakes in the extras, it's like this is your show you're ruining. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't just doesn't care. He's too busy having having a laugh. Yeah. So, Martin um, says something like, "As the more 
professional experience of the two actors. Uh, so there's a lot yeah. of that where he basically just yeah. says, I was better than you and you killed me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's interesting that you mentioned about Mackenzie because Lucy was saying that he had the real kind of meditative thing that he did before, or sort of when he wasn't necessarily being filmed. He'd get a ping pong ball and just make a big rubber band ball out of it and then take it all apart and then do it again. Really? So, yeah, she kind of said he kind of got onto this Zen kind of state, I suppose. And Mackenzie is a Mackenzie, I actually know very, really quite well because I did a play with him just at the Bush Theatre, like in Shepherd's Bush. Um, I did a play with Mackenzie and I got to know him very well. And he's, he's a very incredibly gentle, sweet man. Like really, <laughs> really just softly spoken, not very brash at all. You know, I'm quite loud and sort of attention-seeking and gregarious. And Mackenzie's very much like very, very funny. If you ask him to chat about anything, very, very funny, very interesting. So it's not that he's shy. But I think that meditative is a very interesting thing that Lucy said, because he's just incredibly, he's like Zen. He's really centered. He's a really yeah. sort of centered, chilled kind of guy. Um, and he draws a lot. He's an incredible artist. And he's always like doing little doodles. But so I can't like, if I was to dress, so Mackenzie once drew this fucking squid. I remember we're just in rehearsals and he's just, I'm just making that. And we did this, yeah, did. Did this exquisite fucking squid. <laughs> And he and was like, um, he was like, oh, uh, I said, oh, were you doodling in that? And he's like, yeah, yeah, just did this, just held up this squid. And I went, oh, right, okay. And he went, why were you? And I went, yeah. <laughs> like, it was mortifying because I can't draw. Um, but then he just sort of dashes his shit off like it's completely normal. He's, he's a real, um, wow. he's a real, he's, he's quite, I don't know, he's, an, he's enigmatic, Mackenzie. He's, he's centered and enigmatic and a real artist. It doesn't surprise me at all that he then went on to write his own BAFTA winning show and Probably he's now, it, it's very Mackenzie to take on Wurzel Gummidge of all things and make it and get five star reviews in everything because he's, he's got that mind, mind you know? Yeah, I um, would love to, would love to speak to him, but it sounds as though he's very busy. Um, either that or just wants to ignore us. I'll, um, but, but, I'll say, I mean, yeah. you can't stalk him on Twitter like you did me. So, uh, <laughs> I know. It's a shame, no, that, isn't it? No, no. It took me a good couple of years of stalking. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, all right, let's do it. Um, but um, I don't know. Assistance I'll pays see. off. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like Tim and Dawn. Last <laughs> enough times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll see. If, I'll, see I'll, I'll I'll drop him a line and, and see if he's up. I mean, who knows if he does this kind of thing? But um, oh, that'd be incredible. Thank you. It's for the fans, isn't it? It's for the fans. fans it's, yeah. what we it's what we told Lucy. Well, yeah. we've also we've also said it's it's twenty years next year. So I don't yeah. know if they're planning to have any kind of um, celebration anniversary thing. It wouldn't surprise me I if they it. didn't. Um, but you never know. Even, <laughs> even if we have our own kind of unofficial one with a few yeah. of the, yeah. the cast, that'd like be picture, with pictures of them on the Zoom screen. Yeah, and you can do anything with CGI these days. Yeah, that won't be weird at all. I'll make a sign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here's the office. Here's another. Here's another funny thing about about being a massive fan of the office, which is um, I used to quote it to Mackenzie all the time, and he couldn't remember any of because he was like, yeah, I was just in it. Just leave me alone. Yeah. But I, um, I, uh, you know, I think I can't, I don't know if I can remember it now off the top of my head, but I was like, uh, Gareth, what do you want? Um, you know, when, when he's in, when he's interviewing Tim and Dawn. Yeah. Oh, when, uh, yeah. for the, uh, when he does. Oh, that's when he goes, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fire you because you can't. Yes, I could. Yeah. No, you can't. Yeah. How would that work? I would say, 
you're fired. And I would say, you don't have the authority, but go on. I'm not going to fire <laughs> you because, oh no, that's it. Yes, I could, because I, in this office, I have special needs. <laughs> I'm a special needs child. No, and that's not even funny. Well, I'm not going to fire you because I couldn't. Okay, that'll be all. And I did that to Mackenzie and he was like, he literally, <laughs> he was getting ready to go on and he went, very good. <laughs> like, okay, thanks, Mac. I'll, um, I'm gonna head over here and get on with my own shit. Thanks. That's that's, uh, that's so true because we've had, I mean, we've had the genuine super fans of the show on uh, from from all walks of life, and then we get we get to speak to Lucy, who hasn't really done an interview, I don't think, for a while. She was a bit unsure about uh, about properly speaking to us, and um, and the first question we always ask every guest is, did you get an agenda for tonight's for tonight's meeting? <laughs> she's the only one that get an agenda, no. didn't get it it's like, no, oh. but she was but in like, the scene yes That's... but it's just a job it's um yeah. yeah and you know what we're they're all we're nerds but they're not they're I mean, it is. it's also i don't know i mean i've always remembered i've always had like an ability to remember like I can't remember when I whether I'm supposed to be an appointment or anything that actually fucking matters. <laughs> I can remember a half overheard line from a film from 30 years ago. Like, <laughs> so weird. Yeah. So it's kind of in my nature to remember that kind of thing. So I, you know, I remember all royal family quotes as well. Luckily, because people are always trying to do them. But um, yeah, so it's not, I, I guess it's not just that. <laughs> <laughs> not really. I like it. Um, boring, isn't it? How how did you come to get your part in the royal family? Oh, did you, uh, had you done any obviously previous acting? Yeah, I was, a, I was a child actor. Ah, uh, okay. So I got my first, um, so I, I joined like a local drama group in Bury, where I'm from, near Manchester, um, when I was, I don't know, 13, Saturday afternoon. Look, basically my mum, can you imagine how fucking loud I was? That's, I look back now and go, yeah, no shit she wanted me in a drama group. She was like, get the fuck out of the house for Saturday afternoons. I can't bear it. So I used to play football Saturday mornings, drama group Saturday afternoons. And when I, about six months after I started, so when I was about 12, 13, the woman who ran it said she was going to set up an agency for kids. I didn't even know what an agency was. I was like, yeah, all right, whatever. And about six months after that, I went to an audition. My first ever, I was like, oh, exciting for, some, for a kid's show um, called Sloggers, which was, I don't know, how, how, how old are you guys? I mean, how old do, you, how old do I think you look? <laughs> all in our 30s. Um, how, so how old are fact. you? I'm 32. I am, I am 30. Oh, well, you're way too fucking young. Yeah. There was a show called, um, there was a show called Joss's Giants, which anyone who's around my age, anyone who's between 38, 39 to 43 will remember. Because kids TV is really specific because you only watch it for like a four yeah. year period and then you move on and the next generation has a completely different frame of reference. So there was a TV show called Joss's Giants and Brian Robson, ex-Man um, United and England captain, um, was in it and was famously fucking terrible actor in it. But, you know, <laughs> world class footballer, so that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and you couldn't run a successful pay conversion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But then I could do what he did. <laughs> but um, he, he was in this show about a kids' football team, uh, under 13s football team, set in uh, Newcastle, written by the late darts commentator Sid Waddell. Right, so there's a lot of fucking weird. <laughs> wow. Um, um, How have we not? Yeah, heard do you know the dark commentator Sid Waddell? He was, yeah. famous for his mad sayings. You know, yeah. oh, sweating like a hippo or a power shower, all that kind of thing. <laughs> um, amazing. Um, and then it was a huge hit. It was a huge children's show hit. And then you know, a year and a half later, 
I was in the disappointing follow-up to Joss's Giants called Sloggers about another 13's cricket team that nobody fucking watched or cared about. <laughs> so I started my career with a whimper just <laughs> and continued, the, continued in that way. Um, so yes, I was in that when I was 13. And, um, but I never thought I was going to do it as a career. That was just like a thing I did in my summer holidays, did two series of that. And then I got about one job a year after that, a bit of heartbeat. A bit of, uh, I don't know if you remember that, a bit of um, Children's yeah. Board, which is a big show, a bit of Coronation Street, all that kind of thing. Love it. Um, but I never thought I was going to do it. I was always going to go to med school. And, um, and I started med school. Uh, well, no, I, I took three months off my final A-level year to uh, film the Royal Family because I just went along to an audition. My agent was like, um, Carolina Hearn wants to audition you. And I was like, wait, what? What, what, what does that mean? That's, this isn't insane to me. I'm 17, what are you talking about? Now, what I think what that was, I don't think Caroline wanted to audition me. She never heard of me. But what I suspect is when kids go to auditions, it's basically like, um, it's as brutal as like the X Factor. It's like thousands of you start the first round and then you get whittled down and down and down until there's two of you. And then one of you gets nothing and goes home and feels a failure, Ooh. right? So that's my, that was my kid's audition acting experience. When I auditioned for the Royal Family, there was like three of us, maybe four, and that was it. And that translated to my agent as Caroline Hearn wants to audition you, but I'm almost certain <laughs> that Caroline went to the casting director at Granada, I can't be fucked seeing thousands of kids, send me along three or four that you know and we'll take it from there. And I'd just done Children's World for Granada, and I'm absolutely sure that's why I went in. So I went in five minutes, read with Caroline and Craig, thought I was fucking terrible, Went out, got a parking ticket, I remember. And then by the time I got up, they called to say that they wanted me. And that was it. I mean, absolutely the day that changed my life. Wow. Amazing. Mm. I love that. Parking ticket. Did you keep it? I should have done, shouldn't I? Did but I didn't that? know it was going to be so significant at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it was going to go on to be the biggest show in the country. Still being chased. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, uh, yeah, the biggest show in the country. Which, I don't know if I've been tweeting about this, but like Michael Imperioli was talking about in his podcast. I freaked out. Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos, Christopher Maltese. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Ago, he was like, that, you know, the guys are talking, they're doing the, the Sopranos thing. And then he goes, hey, did you ever see this British show called The Royal Family? It's great. It's about these guys. And he just describes his love of the Royal wow. Family. In the podcast. Wow. I was freaking out. That's wow. incredible. Yeah. That's amazing. So we've, got, we've got Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos, Bob Odenkirk from... Um, uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul by Saul um, uh, who else Matt Groening creator of The Simpsons wow. Vera Silverman and um, uh, Mark Hamill that's the one for me Brilliant. if my five year old self were <laughs> Luke fucking Skywalker <laughs> one day just, I'd be like I'm going to be in a thing that he's going to watch I would have died there and then and then not been in it time paradox <laughs> <laughs> yeah killed it that's yeah. incredible i love that i love that he's involved as a fan just the idea that that little that little low-key show that i mean we mm. honestly we thought it was funny but we didn't know if anyone outside of manchester or the north would like it and then it was a, a national thing and then and then you know european a lot of europeans kind of liked it a lot of a lot of a lot of immigrants to the first generation immigrants to this country love it you know a lot of um you know, a, a number of Polish or Bulgarian people have said to me, I really like the royal family, it's so funny. <laughs> it's like, do you get it? They're like, oh, <laughs> when Jim says, Anthony, you lazy little sod, I love it. I'm like, that's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> that's Thank incredible. You so there so must have been 
sorry there must have been a time where there was like a a foreign import footballer came over and he's had an interview one day oh so uh you didn't speak english when you when you came over what helped you what helped you learn the language? <laughs> oh yeah as i was watching the royal family Ricky Tomlinson. yeah i should ask around because i've got i've got a few fo- footballer mates but none you know I, I don't think i know any of the kind of the bulgarians or the, the, the <laughs> europeans or I, I should ask i should ask the lads that i do know did they ever because you know vhs has got passed around didn't they Back in those days, well, you guys wouldn't know, would you? Um, uh, yeah, I was, gonna, I was going to interject there for any of our younger listeners. A VHS is uh, is an old, basically what, what DVDs yes. were before. So yes, yeah. <laughs> young enough listeners wonder what DVDs are. Ask your dad. Yeah, that's uh, true. Well, lucky enough, we don't really, we don't have many. Uh, our audience isn't listeners. Young, well, many listeners at all. Yeah. <laughs> luckily, luckily enough, that's yeah. probably a positive spin on it, isn't it? Well, <laughs> well, us and yeah. our listeners are fucking mortal and our time is running out. <laughs> yeah, we need something for the next generation. <laughs> yeah. There must there must be a transcendence across um across culture though for, for the royal family, surely with yeah. I mean I, I imagine other cultures have that kind of real time just sat in front of the telly with their family. I mean it, it it's just so real. Even the, the massive gaps where there's just no one saying anything, the camera yeah. just pans around, it's just I don't know, there's something awesome about it. We, we, like I say, we didn't know it was ever going to be big. And then with hindsight, you know, the idea that this funny little show found its way to America and then I've just named what five of my absolute heroes watched it is just incredibly humbling and crazy. But, but yeah, I suppose, I suppose the unifying theme is, you know, family. A, a lot of people were like, well, it's very much about the working class. And it's like, yeah, sure it is, but everybody has a family. You know? yeah. And yeah. everybody... And every, often everybody has, a, there's a patriarch and a matriarch. And in a lot of cases, the patriarch is the one who has things just so. In fact, the one thing I think about it that maybe will consign it to history eventually is the, is the changing habits of TV watching. It's not family dynamics. Family dynamics are constant, but it's the, it's the dynamics of TV watching. I mean, I don't, I don't remember the last time I watched live TV, especially now where there's no sport, you know, so. No point. People, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Next. <laughs> people, people, people less and less, and, and as we go forward, are watching things live less and less. So, I I don't know how what the new family dynamic of what are you doing this evening? We're sitting down together and watching the TV because that's what we do. I don't know how how long that will continue to be the the, the unifying theme that everybody remembers. That's but, a great point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. love that. I so guess now it'll be. We'd be more now, you know, mum and dad downstairs, kids in the bedroom on Netflix exactly. or something. You know, you're not going to get that, right? Just get the whole family around the TV at Saturday at eight o'clock for our favourite program that's on. I know, once you, a week. I know you could argue anything well, anytime now. I know that you could argue that Gogglebox um, proves that that still occurs, but Gogglebox started what ten years ago, and yeah, those families that. now have a vested interest in sitting down in front of the telly. I'm not saying. There'll be plenty of people listening to this going, oh, well, I still sit down with my family. Friend. Sure, I'm not saying that yeah. doesn't happen anymore, but the trend is moving away from that. And I do wonder if eventually that will be the thing that ultimately dates the show that is, in most cases, relatively timeless. But anyone that's got a phone now has got a screen, haven't they? So, yeah. you know, I, I find it if I ever go around to my parents, they'll put something on the TV. I think, I'm not watching this shit. So <laughs> yeah. I'll, start, I'll start watching something on my phone. So yeah. it's not, you know, back... It's social. It's a bit harsh, isn't it? Oh. Much. Oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah. I'm lo- loving lockdown. Don't have to see oh. him, do I? Yeah, yeah. And if, my, um, if you've got dad, a mobile phone, even <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, my dad's in hospital. Uh, good, good spot. Good spot. That was a sniper. 
<laughs> he is a vegetable now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. That's a shame. Uh, I thought, I thought it was the other one. <laughs> have you got a favorite oh, a, a favorite though. quote or favorite line or favorite i guess favorite niche moment that, that kind I, of I, I keep thinking show? so I, i'll show anyone i'll show any like new girlfriend or friend who's not seen it or some not that there's many people who haven't seen it but there's occasionally you meet somebody who's like yeah i thought i enjoyed it i thought it was all right and i'm like then no, you haven't watched it properly <laughs> and, then it, and then i'm one of those absolute pricks that's like i'm like pause it i go okay what you've got to remember is it's like just let me watch the thing please <laughs> so yeah i do tend to do a running commentary um but i do i have found myself uh that's literally what we've been doing to podcast <laughs> out of it yeah. i have found myself um several times going oh my god wait you can't, i can't wait for you to see this i think this is the best line in the office and then five minutes later going oh no no, no wait 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 i was wrong this yeah. is the best line De- i suppose definitely one of the ones that comes to mind now is um anything i mean it's all sublime of course it's all sublime but anytime where you see that brent isn't brent is not a bad guy he's not an he's not a nasty evil person he's just pathetic he's just a cat he's yeah. just He's just desperate for social status and he's desperate to be liked and he can't help getting in his own way. I mean, I love when, when Carol likes him, you know, yeah, love absolutely. That. I think it's beautifully handled. Um, and I love, um, of course I love when Tim and Dawn comes back. Come, and Oh, um, I will tell you this when I've the very first time, remember I said that first time when I sat and I never <laughs> made a cup of tea, that very first time I watched it um, on my own, when, Finchie comes in, Ralph Ineson comes in, and he's like, uh, oh, you know, you, you fat shit or whatever. And he, and he just turns around and goes, Chris, why don't you fuck off? I was, I was physically off the sofa. Fuck, yes! <laughs> he was celebrating. And it, it would be, I'd be hard pushed to tell you of any other, I mean, not even fucking comedy, any other TV show where I've had such a visceral physical reaction. I had to leap off the sofa and punch the air. What a moment. But then, of course, he, he it's beautifully undermines himself by kind of being a prick right in the very last moment anyway. Yeah. Um, so that was beautiful. I think anywhere where you see a minor win for Brent, uh, we all know the funniest bits, the comedy bits, or anywhere where you see this brilliant illustration of a moment where he tries to do the right thing or tries to be good or just tries to not get in his own way, but he's too fucking cowardly to do it. And what I mean by that one is... One of my favorite things is this toxic masculinity, desperate to be liked by the guys. They're so fucking rude to Jennifer. So, my God, I used to have a crush on Sterling Gallagher. Yeah. They're yeah. so fucking oh, rude. you're not the only one. To Jennifer, yeah. She, you know, I mean, don't, don't, what is it? Um, what, what's, he, what's, he, what's his dog called? Baza, Jezza, like some posh? Gaza. Gaza. You want to be next love? Gaza likes some posh. She walks off, she goes, David, and he goes, you're in trouble. And he goes, that was out of order in a way. The amount of courage, fucking balls out courage, it takes a weaselly little man like David Brent to muster up, to stand up to the big boys, to stand up to the working class fucking yeah. lads on the floor is immense. It's immense. And it, it's almost redeeming. It's pathetic the way he does it. That was out of order in a way, but it's almost redeeming. And then he says, uh, uh, <laughs> what she wants is a good shagging. And he's so pathetic that he goes, my bloody have to now, see you. That, that is David yeah. Brent in a nutshell. He, he's, he's got 
there's redemption in him if only he wouldn't get in his own way. And I think that's what makes him so extraordinary as a character. I've never heard that kind of spin on it before. That's incredible. It's amazing. It's, it's yeah. so true. It, it crosses over pretty much all of his, all of his key moments. So you've got 15 seconds there of Brent and it sums him up entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, good night. Thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's not a bully, is he? He's not a bully. He's not one of the lads. He's not one of... He's not... He's not I mean, he's... Well... We can get into a whole philosophical debate about what evil <laughs> is like doing nothing and the banality of evil. But what I mean is, he's not a—he's not a bully at all. He's a—he's no. he's somebody who's never ever had social status and craves it and doesn't know how to deal with it. And just wants to be liked, but is so kind of craven for it that he never can be. I had a football coach a bit like him, and I feel that he was just craving that recognition. And if somebody had just given him, yeah, just a little bit daily of recognition. Yeah, and yeah, it would have been fine. Like the the coach I, I uh, had, he used to he, he played in the Premier League, and occasionally he'd train with us. And he obviously he's an ex pro, and he'd swing yeah. it across and it'd be from the Premier League with love. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, no, yeah, we're yeah. all like 17, 18. And I was like, oh, fucking hell, gaffer, that is ridiculous. Gaffer, shut <laughs> up. Yeah, he just but, wanted that recognition. He just wanted someone to say, yeah. mate, you were brilliant. You played in the Premier League. And I think, yeah, but here's the thing: you see, at least he did have. The Premier League once. At least he had something to yeah. hang. What have you ever done in the Premier League? <laughs> yeah, done. Exactly. But but no. But like Brent, Brent would be inside paper manager of the month. <laughs> yeah, Brent would be like a football coach. I bloody love football. Brent would be like a football coach who knows nothing, but still is would be giving up his time. This is him as a football coach. Be giving up his time. Really care about it. Be fucking terrible. Know nothing. And really just want. The lads to like him that would all be and, and they would hate him they would hate him and actually if he was a football coach and just every like maybe once every game or every training session somebody went cheers gaffer that was quality it would change his whole personality because he'd be like oh nice one thank you thank you right. and he'd be okay but it would never happen it's um, almost like that's the basis for life on the road isn't it the band he just wants the band to like him and at yeah. the end they buy him a pint and it's and that's yeah. i mean that's almost a bigger win as tim and dawn in some respects like the 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 emotional triggers of that at the end yeah. when we when we rewatched it the first time i wasn't quite sure but the second I'll, again, tell, you, the I'll tell you why i'll tell you why I, I mean i love the office world I, i'll tell you why i wish life on the road didn't exist um only because only because it was such a it was such a perfect ending it was so sublime it was so unimprovable for Brent to have a small redemption, not a whole one. He wasn't suddenly changed. He wasn't a different character. But Carol found his jokes funny. And he wanted to try a Thai food. And she was pretty and interested in him. And all of his kind of stupidity, she was chilled enough that she didn't mind. She was very comfortable in herself. And there was a real fucking win for him, a small win for him. And you felt like maybe, maybe there was some hope. Yeah. And then life on the road, it's like, yeah, Carol mugged him off straight away. <laughs> and I feel like that's, that's a shame about, about the Brent character. No, I, um, I mean, I, I know Ricky a little bit. I know Ricky a little bit from, from I met him a few times during, during that time, during the time when um, uh, the BAFTAs were happening and we were there and we won, the, we won best sitcom, they won best new show, and then, and then we'd finished and then they won everything else, um, which, which I think was a lovely way for it to work out for everybody. I think it would have been very, very harsh if the Royal Family and the Office had been head-to-head. I think there's always going to be an argument to say there should have been two winners. It's Blur v. Oasis. It is Blur v. Oasis, yeah, but we were the Oasis, which meant (laughs) we would have won. Um, Obviously. (laughs) So I met him a few times, and he's, you know, we've always gone great, and he's always been incredibly generous about the Royal Family and incredibly um, vocally, uh, publicly vocal about it. 
And we don't, um, I haven't actually seen him, I haven't seen him face to face, it's not like I ring him up and we have a beer. But um, we, we can communicate through, um, actually through Twitter, we just direct message each other, so easy enough. But, um, uh, you know, it, he sorted me out tickets to his previews and um, I was like, hey, do you fancy a beer afterwards? He was like, no, mate, I'm already home. By the time I got out of the theatre, <laughs> he was already home. Because I'm already at home with a glass of wine, I'm like, fucking hell, man, you don't waste any time here. Um, I'm disappointed oh, no. he hasn't said, what with you? Wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> what with you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, sorry, I was waiting for someone to turn up for a beer and I was worried you were it. Oh, no. Um, yeah, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe secretly called me Monkey Allen. Um, yeah, he, um, he did, when he, he followed me on Twitter, which it was just a funny story, because I don't, I don't think you guys were going at the time. This was about three or four years ago, and although maybe you were part of it. Every now and again, something happens, probably happens more with you now, but it used to happen where somebody, either somebody I know or somebody would just like say a line in a Twitter discussion I was having about whatever the fuck it was. And it would be a line from the office. So I'd reply with the reply and then somebody else would do. And then there would be these weird evenings where I'd have to spend three hours becoming the hub for like office, office chat <laughs> of a reciprocal lines. And, and every now and again going, Oh, fucking hell. What does he say to that one? Oh, knowing that if I got a word wrong, then oh. I'd, have, I'd have all sorts to answer to. <laughs> so, um, um, anyway, I was doing this and I was like, I, was, I couldn't stop laughing about something. For fuck's sake, I've been there like an hour and a half, just sitting on my sofa going, oh yeah, you know, probably what spurred him on. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then it just came up and it said, Ricky Gervais is, is following you. And um, so I took a screenshot of that and put, um, uh, I just found out Ricky Gervais is following me, probably knows it's because I'm just a chilled out and entertainer. <laughs> and, um, and he replied and he said, uh, I'm the best boss you will ever be followed by. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> Love and that. I can't remember what I replied, and I replied one, and he replied one, and I replied one, and he went, and he laughed and went, I'm going to stop this now because I honestly really can't remember it as well as you. Do. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a cool thing. That's, that's incredible. That's awesome. I love that. I think um, that you're, you're right about the threads, though. I mean, we, to be fair, now go out of our way to look for them. There's almost, I mean, there's almost an office line for everything i mean you can find any bit of news anything that's trending bang we'll, we'll go in your, friend, your friend george that we had george riley he, we had him on the show hey, yeah okay. now george is george is problematic to me and i tell you <laughs> I, really hope, I really hope he hears this right. so george i know he's a fucking ace george is um george's other half oh here's a lovely bit of trivia for you you'll like this george's other half is a girl called emma now emma was my best friend when i was 15 Largely because I fancied her, but she was not interested. And fucking, uh, what, a, what a waste of, I mean, <laughs> oh my God, the number of teenage fantasies out about her that were never reciprocated. So instead I had to just aim for platonic friendship, devastating. <laughs> so, you know, uh, anyway, the, the, fl the flame eventually dwindled and we just remained friends and she's now, she's a, a great friend. Um, but here's, here's a, so, so we're talking about George Riley, but here's a lovely bit of trivia for you. George, you're talking about Massive Office family. Emma, used to work at the tour, the Granada Studios used to have a tour, like a weird, um, you won't remember this, but it used to have a, like a, almost like it was like a theme park. And she used to work on Granada Studios tour. So, first series of Royal Family, we would finish at Granada Studios in Manchester, we'd walk across to the hotel bar, and we'd all literally every night be smashed in the bar. Um, it was a different time. Smashed, and every, almost every evening, I'd say, look, can my mate Emma come over? She's working across the road. Yeah, of course she can. And she would come over and join us. So Caroline and Craig and everything, they all got to know Emma. And Caroline being the wind-up merchant, she was, she was like, Ralphie, 
do, do you, are you in love with Emma? And Emma, she was so fucking much cooler than I was. She, she'd be just laughing going, I don't know, answer the question, Ralph. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, no, no, <laughs> just friends. You know, like, pathetic, like voice cracking, like, because like, obviously I did. And um, anyway, long story short, um, that's why when Anthony got a girlfriend in series two, she was called Emma. Emma. She was named after my mate Emma who is now the other half of George Riley, who, who came on your show. That is incredible. That's pretty cool. Little That's awesome. Like, How did you tell us that? I started this to say the reason George Riley is problematic is because I was mates with Emma and she said, we went out for, for a drink once and, you know, uh, sometimes she said, oh, I must introduce you to George. Here's my other half, George. I've been with him a couple of years. It's great. They live in Manchester. And I was like, hey, man. And he's great. And then George and I sat next to each other for the next like three hours, neither of us spoke to Emma, and we literally had whole conversations in office quotes, except we didn't learn anything about each other. We just recited the office to each other for about three hours. And now there's very little I know about George, and there's very little he knows about me, because it's all we ever do. You see, we just pop up on each other's timelines all the time, and it drives Emma absolutely insane. And she said to him, said to me, please don't let him know that you're a fan of Alan Partridge as well, because then I'll literally lose both of you. You must get that. And, and I, get, I, I guess before you started this podcast, I probably, you two probably would have done it with each other, but it is, I think. It That's the quotes, yeah? the quotes, yeah, the quotes. Yeah, the quotes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he's saying, not. He's, he's not. not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> he knows I'm not. Um, yeah, yeah you're, you're absolutely right. Don't you think it's uniquely, I don't know, I'd be interested if any, if you've got any listeners that can shed some light on this. I have, in my experience, found it's a uniquely male thing. I don't know any women who talk to each other or even talk to me or anyone I know just entirely in office quotes. They know a few and they'll sort of smile and laugh, but it feels like a very male thing. It's, it's largely you know, male, but we, we have got a few, we have got a few female followers and some yeah. in particular that are you know real massive fans right okay um but i can see the demographic is right. very very largely weighted towards men just wonder why that is and is it because so i've always found it fascinating that you can play five-a-side football with someone for literally 10 years and know nothing about them you can know what footed they are whether they're any good in defense whether they'll track their man if they're greedy you know all that shit but you know nothing about them i found i've like loads of five-a-side teams i play for and i'm like no, I don't know. What's his second name? I don't know. Um, <laughs> for literally 10 years. And a lot of that's like, but my mum can talk to like one of my friends who I've known for 10 years and know more about them in three minutes than I possibly do. Cause she's asked them about, we don't ask each other about ourselves. And I wonder if a lot, another thing that's so one of the reasons why we talk, a lot of men particularly talk in the office quotes is so we don't have to have a real conversation, particularly yeah. about our feelings. Yeah. Oh, for no. sure. Yeah. It's happened before with the wife. She's, she's come to me and she said, oh, so, so how's so-and-so's girlfriend? I was like, didn't know you had a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Okay, I guess. My mum would be like to want about one of my friends. She'll go, oh, I didn't know so-and-so was, was thinking about going into nursing. I'm like, are they? They never told me. I never asked them. I never asked them. <laughs> Why would they? It's that Mickey Flanagan one, isn't it? And they say, say hello for me. We're going to say hello. <laughs> I'm not going to say hello. Yeah, it just doesn't. It just doesn't happen. I think we we do a regular. Um, normally, to be fair, we haven't done it tonight, but we put out a. You know the game Cards Against Humanity. Oh yeah. 
So we put out one of those, and instead of obviously finishing it with something obscene from the other cards, you have to put an officeism in well, there instead. Great, that's a great game. Um, so we call it Brent Against Humanity, and that generally gets some really good like threads and interaction going. And the vast majority of blokes on there, aren't they? There's yeah. there's maybe three or four regular um, girls who contribute, but uh, but yeah, it's definitely a. I'll play, I'll play against humanity. Next we'll take we'll take you we'll take you in the next one and oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. George George has had a few guys. You see him on there uh, a couple of times. Oh, I bet he's. Um, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine he'll lose. <laughs> I, I'm not even sure yeah. he has a vocabulary left that isn't an office quote. <laughs> <laughs> it's mad, you, and it's it's become sort of part of life. Even kind of actions and uh, yeah. little looks to the camera and oh no. I had to have a word with myself um, around the turn of sort of 2008-2010 and I had to have a word with myself because I realised as an actor professionally I was, I was slipping into to, to, to not even Brentisms but like Gervaisisms that were Brent like because obviously you don't want to be emulating David Brent as an actor but like I was doing things like if I felt that like as an actor, I had a line that was something like, I wanted to show that I was pleased with myself. I would end up sort of going, well, that's just the way it is. <laughs> Stop biting your bottom lip. No one ever did that before. <laughs> Why am I doing it? I'm a professional actor. I had my own thing. I predated Brent professionally. Why am I doing it? Yeah, very really. I had to really, really have a proper word of myself going, Stop trying to do Brentisms. It's really weird. That is mad. I, I find myself doing the so, so but I don't know when that happened because when I watched it first, it, it wasn't necessarily there. And, and the more people we speak to often it's the, when they've rewatched it, maybe five or 10 years later and it's, yeah. it's kind of hit them harder at that point. It's, uh, it's, yeah. it's frightening really. But if you, as a, because you sound a bit like him. Oh. And, and I guess look I'll a bit, like, look quite a bit like I, well, the, gets, lockdown, the lockdown beard that. has been growing. Yeah, Please, oh, do you know what? Before you I get rid of that beard, it. you've got to do the, you've got to do the goatee. Right. <laughs> okay, we'll set a, we'll set a challenge, and I'll get that done. It is, it is something I think is interesting. You, you probably won't remember. So you're, you're both roughly ten years younger than me. So you'd have been about, I don't know, two thousand and two, two thousand and three. You'd have been, you know, uh, twelve, thirteen. So you probably don't remember. Do you remember Gervais boxing? Remember that? Yeah, against Grant Bovey. Grant Bovey. Yeah, yeah, it was against Grant Bovey. Yeah. I'm a a bit of an XFM geek. I've redone all of the old um, radio shows. So my memory of that is through his speaking about it on that show. I don't actually remember watching it. I don't think you're a bit older than me, Steve, aren't you? For anyone who's wondering. Um, So you might. (laughs) Just just slightly. Just slightly. I I think what's really interesting about it is watching Ricky's ascent to the, the stratosphere. Now, you know, I mean, now is Ricky's incredibly wealthy, incredibly powerful, um, incredibly funny man. Um, and he's, he's a legit A-list Hollywood star. I mean, can, he can make anything mm. he wants. Um, but his ascent was really interesting because, and I suppose it mirrors the royal family in a way, in a way. In a way. Um, because, <laughs> because we, what I was saying before about it being, um, Reaching America. Now, the Royal Family never got a remake in America, which um, is bad news for me, for a start, because, you know, <laughs> if I was that kid from that thing, it would have been very nice to go to America, thank you very much, but I'm not. Um, apart from, like, a very select few people who have sought it out and seen. 
But the royal family, uh, sorry, the office obviously did. But before all that was happening, like the royal family, Ricky became that guy from the office who was quite a, a famous guy in England and did, you know, he was never going to do Big Brother or he was never going to do um, uh, I'm a Celeb or what, whatever. I don't think it existed then. He was never going to do that because that, that was, it wasn't his cup of tea. But he certainly did things as a known person, like the boxing thing, would be on interviews, whatever, that, that seem now so kind of unlikely for someone of his stature and status. Yeah. And I just, it's, it's easy to forget almost that like, I don't know, I mean, he's incredibly powerful, but like, he's, he's, he's normal. He's very normal. He's very, he's very kind of, he's like humble and um, has plenty of humility. And he was just like, when it was all a success for him, he was as sort of charmingly surprised and delighted as anyone else would be. It's easy to forget that now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's why I like the, the old radio shows because in there he was, I mean, he used to turn up drunk. Yeah. It's like, it, it, and it, it, he, it, they just really didn't, it was just them chatting and they didn't really show any kind of almost no content for the, for the listeners yeah. at all. It was, it was yeah. brilliant and it was so bad. It was good. And Carl obviously also, made it as well. It's weird. There's, isn't it? There's a certain rebellion, a rebelliousness to that. Yeah. Because if you're the underdog and you're like, well, we don't have a clue, but who fucking cares? People will listen if they want. We're not going to like toe the line. That's rebellious. But it's a funny thing now it's not rebellion anymore for him because he is the man. He's, he's so powerful that the sort of context has slightly changed. I mean, enjoyably, Ricky hasn't really changed very much, but it, it just, it's interesting to see that shift in, in power, I think. Definitely. The box is interesting. Yeah. Another, one, another thing that he wanted to do, isn't it? He wanted to be a sports, sports star, so, <laughs> as well as musician, boxing. A sports star? Music. Well, well it definitely, I, again, this is, this is just from being able to almost recite old two-hour-long radio shows, which is, is really actually quite pathetic when I think about that. Um, <laughs> well, what but, else are you going to masturbate to? <laughs> <laughs> I've done them all. It takes ages. <laughs> you only get a bucket and a half. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I remember Steve literally ribbing him, saying, well, because they went out and did a bit where he, he went and got all the gear and they were picking his walk-on music and... And Steve was just literally ripping the piss into him because he was saying that, Ricky, you now think that you're a professional boxer. And it was how he had to cut out cheese. And it's, I don't <laughs> oh know. Like, he loves cheese, by the <laughs> I don't know if he talks about an XFM, but he's obsessed with yeah. cheese. Well, I think the, the line is, well, maybe why don't you cut cheese down to five times a week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's a kind of, like you say, an underdog and a, a normal blokeness about that that, yeah. It's easily forgotten about where, where, those, where that came from. Here's a bit of trivia for you about Gervais that I'm sure not a lot of people know. He is, or maybe you do know, but I, I don't know anyone that knows. He, um, he's, a pretty, he's, a pretty, he's a pretty decent footballer. Really? Interesting. Yeah, yeah he is. Well, I, I played, watched... played with all the, all the comedians in, in Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Fringe in 2002. I was doing a show... Called, called hilariously called Ralph Little's Edinburgh Nights, where 22-year-old me walked around for the BBC, for BBC Two, and interviewed all the comedians. And um, uh, you know, so I got to know them all of that generation. Um, it was before, it was just before Dara became incredibly famous. Ed Byrne was quite famous. Um, uh, I don't think I spoke to McIntyre, Adam Hills. You know, all those guys, not, not your James Acasters, or they've come, they've come through yeah. since, but all of those guys. So I got to know them all really well. Um, Jason Byrne um, and so Andy Salzman, Andy Saltzman, and John Oliver, who wasn't 
fucking famous at that time. Oh, he, was just yeah. in he was just in Edinburgh. It's just one of the dudes in Edinburgh. <laughs> and also one of them was Ricky, who had a, a show called Rubbernecker. Jimmy Carr, who wasn't famous then. Um, and it was Ricky doing, doing five minutes. It was like a, it was like a, a taster, show, a teaser show. Ricky, Robin Ince, uh, Steve Merchant, and, yeah, and, um, <laughs> and uh, Jimmy Carr. And Ricky did his whole thing with his drag, uh, not that, dad, daddy long legs, you know, going <laughs> yeah. the TV, did all of that. Um, so anyway, long story short, uh, all of the comedians got together to play an informal kick around, like on the fucking school field, um, on the fields at Edinburgh. And Ricky joined in. And honestly, he could play. He could play. And it was it was a real surprise because I don't even really ever seen him as Brent. It's like him. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> Tell you who else could play? I know who I met there, and he wasn't famous. Russell Howard, very good footballer. Yeah, very I've heard good. that. I've seen that from someone else who said good he's is he's useful. Like, pro- like properly good, not like not like oh okay, you know they're not shit, but like properly good player. Yeah, he had his moment where he got absolutely ripped, didn't he? It was like a, yeah. he was like a, this goofy comedian. And then, yeah. you know, you turn the TV on again and he's there. He's absolutely ripped. He's got a gym, he's got a gym in his house in Camden. And, um, and I was like, I was like, I see what, why did you get that? He was like, well, I mean, this is why he said, this is why he's, Russell's ripped. I was like, why? He said, cause I, I bought, I think he said, I think he said he bought the gym, the like full gym, multi gym weight. <laughs> he said, I had a spare room in my new house that I bought. And I was absolutely smashed and I bought a gym and forgot about it. And then <laughs> got a gym to deliver. Like, I better use it now. Well, that worked out all right, didn't it? Yeah, no, yeah. But just yeah, going back, you know, you were saying about um, Ricky basically used Brent. He, he was definitely, um, I don't know how to put it really, he, he kind of he used the fame of Brent that he was known for that character. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see um, his Microsoft induction videos no he did, but I heard, did, wait yeah. as brent yeah yes did, no, i heard he, about him yeah he did, he did train he's, he's done a few of them actually he's, he's done a few for there was a, a camera company i can't remember which one but he, he did a lot of their like training instructional that's mandatory what I mean, training though, videos that's what i mean when i say I, I just find it interesting that's not even real i don't even have like a particularly sort of critical or non-critical point to make about it i just think it's interesting to remember that before he was Ricky Gervais, the global superstar, he was Ricky Gervais, the creator of The Office, who was suddenly in the limelight and really quite sweet and like, oh, wow, okay. Oh, 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 oh all right. And then it was like, oh, you know, you want me to, people love The Office. Oh my God, I've won some BAFTAs. And it's, but it's like, of course, like, why would he? Why would he? Because he need the money and, and he's not interested. But, you know, he did some very funny, I believe, Microsoft intro video, like, um, What's the, what's the corporate videos yeah, at yeah. Brent? And they were very, very funny. Of course he wouldn't do that now because he's yeah. a huge global superstar. But I, I think it's nice to remember that once he, yeah. he did, and he would have done. Of course. It's, it's just like, I don't know, it's like, it's like finding footage of, I don't know, Bowie playing at a kid's party because he wasn't <laughs> hugely famous yeah. yet. And by yeah. the way, that's a comparison. That really <laughs> <laughs> he would love that. Yeah. yeah. Do They're you, still uh, on YouTube, by the way. So if uh, oh, I'll check them out, I'll have to check yeah, them out. Yeah, if you type, if you type in like Brent Microsoft or something like that, uh, I don't know about Bowie and kids parties. One of the times I, time I realised that he was he was going to be bigger and bigger and bigger, even not as Brent, was his video about um, uh, comic relief. Yeah. That was that was very very funny. That, that was the green screen. Yeah, that just undercut yeah. and transcended 
transcended Brent, transcended comic relief, transcended everything. <laughs> Everyone wanted to be a part of it. It was like, fair's fair. This is very, very good. You're, you're, you're on your way. He sort of, Ricky arrived in my world that I'd already occupied and then moved on to greener yeah. bigger pastures i've got an album coming out can i get in on this yeah of course you can. <laughs> yeah it's brilliant do you still uh, do you still play football uh well does anybody right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's let's assume you mean like when the world isn't crazy um i mean i play football as much as my 40 year old legs will let me um, uh, yeah. I, still, I can yeah. still get about and i can still be effective but it does take me three days to recover oh, yeah yeah i like that feeling i'm already there so did you did you have to kind of choose between sort of a, a football career or did that ever I well weirdly i did I, I, but in a way that you would never think um because uh, like a completely bonkers way because i, I didn't play from when, i didn't play at school at all I didn't play from when i was 12 to when I was 18. so that from 12 to 18 so that um formative timeline never happened never you know scouts never saw me i never literally just didn't play apart from like on the playground or whatever um, and the reason for that is my, my parents on my dad's side were a big rugby, uh, sorry, my grandparents on my dad's side, parents on my dad's side, that's weird. Um, uh, yeah, my, my dad's parents were big um, rugby fans and they, then my parents were working class, but very, um, uh, very upwardly social climbing. They're very interested in social climbing, bless them, wanting to give us education and, and, and do the best that they could for us. So one of those things that they felt was important was that rugby was the kind of the gentleman's game and that football was a thug's game, which I guess in the early 90s might have made some sort of sense. But, uh, you know, you look, but you look at that now and you think that's ridiculous. Go and play football. Try and make some dough, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, there's a million stories about coulda, woulda, should I? Who knows if I was good enough? But I didn't play from when I was 12 to when I was 18. Um, then I, uh, Royal Family, medical school briefly, left that, came to London to be an actor. Played, started to play in all these charity games, and that was an incredible learning curve because played in um, played for the Arsenal X Pros. I played for the Arsenal X Pro and celebrity team for about twenty years. I'm senior pro now, X Pro, which is ridiculous because I'm neither not either senior or an X Pro. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, when I first turned up, there you know Ray Parler played and um, um, Wrighty played a couple of times and so on and so on. So that as a football learning curve was incredible because you're 19 and you're really green you're like oh give me the ball i want to try and take people on and very very quickly if you've got a brain and you're playing with ex-pros you realize that they just pass the ball they yeah. just pass the ball well you know what they do they just don't give it away and that team that i first for those first few years i don't think we ever lost a game and i don't think we ever won it less than six seven nil against good other teams all these just older guys like 50 55 a couple of 60 year olds come fucking get the ball off them Mad. Get the ball, pass, 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 made it look easy, practically walked it into the net. And I remember thinking, I mean, if they can do that and I'm, and I'm quick and, I, and, you know, I'm younger than them, then I'll just do that. So I just basically, every time I got the ball, I looked for the nearest person to me and gave them the ball. And that's how you become a good footballer. It's very, very simple. The rest yeah. you can work on. The yeah. step overs and the tricks and the whatever you can work on. But that's how you become a good footballer. You give the ball to somebody close by, who's not on the and you do it quickly. Um, so anyway, uh, there was, a, there was a, a, a TV program that was devised and it was the precursor to Soccer Aid. And it was called The Match. And the first one was in 2004. So again, you'd have been, you guys would have been like 14 or 15 or 12 or something like that. So you won't remember it, but it was the precursor to Soccer Aid. And instead of it being 
ex-pros and celebs against another ex-pros and celebs, the idea was a little more experimental and a bit more competitive. The idea was, what if we take a load of celebs, for want of a better word, but singers, actors, whatever, who are really keen, uh, but don't have, you know, not a huge amount of skill, and we take a load of world-class ex-pros, but that are legitimately getting on a bit, and we put them together, and we train them for, for a week, the, expro, the, the celebs particularly, we train them for a week, organize them as best as we can, and then put them out there. Everyone thought it was going to be lambs to the fucking slaughter. I remember this. And we took them to the 93rd minute at one all, and then they scored a winner in the 93rd minute. And, and, and that was it. But it was, it was sort of the perfect result because, because it, it allowed the ex-pros to keep their respect, which they deserve because they're legends, and it wasn't a walkover for us either. We, we, earned, we earned their respect and we earned the public's respect. It was a, honestly, it was glorious. I, I, get, I almost get more emotional talking about this than any other time in my life. It was, it was possibly the best night of my entire life. And it just so happened that on that day, on that game, you know what it's like. You, you, you've played football, Sam. I don't, don't know if you mentioned you did, Steve. But like, sometimes you have a game. Big time. It's like everything you try, everything is your game. That you, you, try, you, you cut inside on another day, you might, you might have a heavy touch. You go for a slide tackle, you could have given away a penalty, but everything comes off. I had the game of my life on telly in front of 10 million people and 55,000 people at St. James's uh, Park. And it was the best night of my entire life. Played left back, marking, marking Peter Beardsley and then Chris Waddle and then um, Trevor Francis. But Peter, I mean, Peter Beardsley wasn't long retired, by the way. And Rob <laughs> Lee played against us, and he was still a pro. Still right? So it's like, you basically look at him, and it's like, Paul Gascoigne, Ian Wright, fucking just unbelievable. <laughs> and I just had the game of my life. I, I um, uh, a last match-saving tackle on Chris Waddle um, within the first 10 minutes. I mean, I can, I can talk you through it, blow right off. <laughs> Another one, just a slide tackle on Peter Beardsley that nine times out of 10 would have been a, a penalty. This time, instead, I stole the ball off him and then it still ricocheted off him and went for a goal kick. It was just... Oh, oh they're, the ones, um, they're the ones you want. And honestly, the, the funniest thing about it, the knock-on effect was for six months, I was the nicest version of myself I'd ever been. <laughs> really, honestly, really, really interesting. I was full of the milk of human kindness. So would, um, would you rather, being a, an actor and a, a professional in that field, as well as a, obviously a decent footballer and a massive football fan, if you were given the choice, Oscar or a winning goal for England at Wembley? Oh, a winning goal for England at Wembley. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, well, hold Absolutely. on. Let's put some caveats on this. <laughs> is it a friendly or does it? Is it matter? What's your cuff? It, What's your cuff? A Euro qualifier. <laughs> Euro qualifier. Euro qualifier. It's a free kick. Oh, to take, to, to take you to the against Greece. <laughs> well, I've, already put, I've already put nine in row Z by that point. <laughs> yeah, that free kick, man. Um, Beckham's been taking them all night, and they've all been shit. And yeah. you go, look, <laughs> Dave, 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 give me a gun. Yeah. <laughs> And there's a little, there's a little think, scuffle as well. I think I would take that. I and then I you put it in top bins. I would take it. I mean, what is that? My only game I get to play, or am I a professional footballer now? Who's good enough to play for England? Yeah, big injury. Yeah. Big injury well, before it, and after. It, it, it depends. <laughs> are you are you David Nugent or are you Harry Kane? You know, <laughs> I played against David Nugent. He elbowed me in the throat, and nearly fucking killed me. <laughs> Very. Um. So so well, I actually, I I kind of had the choice bizarrely i kind of had the almost the exact not to score a goal for england but the choice that you talked about so after that game in 2004 and i was 24 which is pretty old really to be getting to football but 
the game, I, honestly, I did so well against admittedly older opposition, but like, I can't begin to tell, it was, it was even I watch it, every few years I watch it and go, oh my God, <laughs> I, everything just went well, went right for me. And Man of the Match was voted for by the public and the pundits. Oh, and everything was great. Love that. And, um, and a few clubs, lower level clubs were legit interested. Some of them interested in a trial, some of them interested in maybe let's at least have a discussion and see if the discussion leads to possibly some sort of contract. I mean, very, very, very vague. Um, and one of those comes, for example, was Accrington Stanley. Um, Who are they? Who are they? The old ones are the best. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of trivia. When I was doing that TV show, I said where I was like, stop trying to do David Brent things. I did it with an actor called Carl Rice, a scouser. And he and I were the two leads. And about five weeks into it, um, I discovered, and he'd never told me, that he was the kid from the Accrington Stanley Hill. Oh, wow. I was like, no way, that's great. Oh anyway, um, so one of them was Accrington Stanley. I think one was Swindon. So I can't remember, but I'm not, Slugs. by the way, I'm not Slugs. saying that they, I'm not saying that they, <laughs> they're Swindon. <laughs> I'm not saying that they, um, that they offered me a contract. They didn't, but it was definitely a conversation that we had. And I uh, had to go, do I want to pursue this or not? And ultimately, it was a case of going, you know, I was in two pints. I was in, I've been in the royal family. I, I was somebody who was known for being in two beloved shows. Am I going to be kind of at the level I am in the profession I'm doing, which I adore, by the way. It's, also, it's not like I'm doing something I didn't enjoy doing. I'm already mm. doing a profession I adore. Was I going to go and do that to take a chance on maybe making it into the first team of a club that, with respect to both of those clubs, only a, a, a small demographic of people is going to really care about for any length of time it just I was like and also I probably would have gone and trialed for them and not made it anyway by which time I might have been fucked for doing the stuff I would have had to yeah. give up the stuff I was doing so it wasn't like I had the choice but there was definitely uh, the hint of a crossroads where I was like nah, nah. it's a difficult really, one yeah I guess I guess if you hadn't had maybe the the playing as a kid where you kind of, you know, where your dreams and your fantasies are played out. Exactly. And then you get that chat. I think that might have been different, but well, that's not. Yeah, for me. Yeah, sure not. I think it would have been a job. Yeah. Where I was like, I mean, but I was already doing, I was already living the dream. I don't really yeah. never thought that it would ever, I, I would ever be lucky enough to make a living as an actor, which is why I started med school. And I'd already had a, a, a crossroads in the same week, the Royal Family came out the same week as, the, as um, I started med school. I mean, talk wow. about talk mm. about two fucking sliding doors. Two <laughs> and I had to make that decision very quickly. So, yeah, it felt like maybe I was trying to push it a step too far if I'd have then left being an actor. Fair, fair point. If we, if we were to, um, we, we're uh, very cautious that we're taking a lot of your time, but for, to bring it back to, um, yeah. to, to the TV, um, one question I'd love to ask is, if you had all of the families from the characters in the office and you can recreate real family with their families, which, which one would you think would be the most interesting? I see. So if you had like Gareth Keenan and his uh, mum and dad at this on the yeah. sofa, you mean? Yeah. Where, where, where's the most, I don't know. Just, we were thinking about it earlier, just thinking where, where would you go? Who would you put there? But I mean, they, they all have their own merit, I guess. But The most plausible as a show would probably be Tim. I mean, he still lives with them. Oh, there you go. There you go. You know, he still That's, lives with him. How did we not think of that? They got him, they got him hat FM, your logo. Um, shit, shit the bed. 
Yeah, he likes the novels of Proust. Um, <laughs> it probably the, the most plausible would be Tim, especially because actually, if you wanted to recreate the royal family with the office characters, it would be Tim and his mum and dad, and then talking about Dawn, and it would be after Tim and Dawn get together and how that looks when they're planning to get married, and then having uh, a baby. Yes, incredible, amazing. Um, Let's do it. But Martin, uh, Martin, <laughs> Martin if you listen. I don't think Martin's busy. <laughs> uh, Lucy's Lucy probably on board. Do you know He's if um, has, Jim ever, um, has he listened to this? Do you know? Has he ever given you a little heads up? I wouldn't have thought so. He's he's interacted with us a few times. Uh, we've asked him um, a couple of things, and uh, and yeah, we've we've had we've had the brief conversation. To be fair, we've never um, we've never massively gone after it. I think um, there's a lot there's a lot of uh, angles and and insight that we get to the show that yeah. maybe probably has never been heard before from bloody good blokes like yourself um, and, and the fans that actually love it and watch it. So, I mean, obviously it would be incredible to speak to him and ask him. And, and Triple H, you might have to pack it in after that. Like that's narratively speaking, that's, that's the finale, isn't it? Where'd yeah. you go? Yeah. Yeah. You he's that Christmas special. special. You're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's your Christmas special. And then, you know, then you decide whether you, you bring it back for a movie several years later. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I'd love to speak to Steve. I think Steve would be a, a really good, because you just don't hear from him. Um, but whether, they, whether they'd want to, I don't know. Um, Steve, Steve might, you know. Steve might. We've spoken, we've spoken to agents, but obviously we get, we get well screened. It's, 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 uh, it's the job, isn't it? But, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, have a, I'll have a think if there's a way. I've not spoken to Steve for many a year, but I'll have a think if there's a way. That I can at least ask him. Because yeah, it'd be, it'd be I think Steve, is, Steve would be really interesting. Um, it, it, it's, so even from a, a not a selfish point of view, I think fans like us and obviously yourself and the hundreds of thousands out there, I genuinely think they would get a buzz out of it, of yeah. hearing his kind of thoughts and feelings 20 years on. And if we're almost the conduit between that, mm -hmm. I think, I think, you know, yeah. so you could take, take, us, take us out of it. I think you, we you would watch that. You know just sort of know what, you know what Ricky thinks about things because he's very vocal on Twitter and, and, and you know, you know Ricky, you know what he's about. But Steve's got that little bit more mystery about him now. Yeah, and definitely. He tended to go off and do his thing. And um, I think his take on, on remembering the office would be fascinating. Yeah. Mm. I, if I, I can give a way to help you make it happen, then I will. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Crowdfunding. <laughs> What's the punts? <laughs> one th one thing we didn't want to do was just go into like the, the kind of almost like education sort of university degree level analysis of the show and, and kind of what we wanted to we wanted to just chat to people mm -hmm. and 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 just drop yeah. the odd quote in and, oh, and find out how it how it affects people's lives. And I think and we just speak to them on their level, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You can talk to anyone. You can communicate. <laughs> uh, exactly. Well, yeah. Well, actually, it's really funny that it's, um, my my mate Emma, who I told you about, uh, ended up uh, when she went went to university. She she did a course, uh, and the course and they were studying the royal family and like, what does this mean and what did that mean and everything. Amazing. What's really funny is that you know, well, the 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 course was extremely valuable, and I'm sure that that's what it came to represent for the for, for the people watching it, but. I know for a fact it didn't mean any of that shit. It just made Caroline and Craig laugh, exactly. you know. But then you get into a sort of interesting philosophical question about the arts when even if that was their intention or not that their intention, if that's what it represented, was it a subconscious idea that they were projecting that, that I, you know, there's, there's all that kind of thing to, to, 
to debate in terms of university courses, but it was fascinating to me that her author became part of her university course. And she was like, I know that that's not true, but I have to write it to get the mark. <laughs> I'll show you working. Uh, <laughs> it's mad. And, and there are, um, you know, there are awesome discussions to be had about it. Um, mm. We're just not that good at it. I think. <laughs> yeah. But look, we hugely appreciate you taking the time. No worries, man. And uh, yeah, we, we genuinely can't thank you enough. It's been That's the least I could I do mean, after two, 18 months of stalking. It's fair enough. You hey, look, we've, learned, we've learned some great lessons tonight, kids. Don't, <laughs> don't make decisions for women. <laughs> yeah. But if you can go for 18 months, you might. Fair enough. <laughs> but um, uh, I mean, personally, I absolutely love love the shows. You know, they say never meet your heroes, but yeah. it's been all right. Thanks, man. <laughs> you've been, you've been all around for some time when uh, when the world returns to normal. Yeah, and certainly. I find myself in Worcester or wherever the hell you are. Yeah, yeah. somewhere around there. Worcesterish, <laughs> sort of <laughs> Midlands, Midlands area. Yeah, I'll do it. Um, all right, uh, chap. Thanks very much. Have a good evening. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Time when it goes out. We will stay we in touch. Now, See you soon. Right, Cheers. Bye bye. Bye. Well, Ralph Little, what a hero. What a ledge. I can't believe how just just legendary he was. I mean, so much insight. <laughs> so much. I'm buzzing after that. Well, it's I think. Gen- some genuinely sort of, I mean, I'm, it's a shame we haven't still got the insightful analysis bell. <laughs> um, we have to rename the point, it. The, the point that he mentioned is about um, Brent sticking up when they're in the warehouse and then... Yeah. When he had that opportunity to be a hero, immediately melting again. I, what? What a just what a point. <laughs> just I, I'm, what a I'm point. considered that. Yeah, um, no, it's it's, it's incredible. As, as you said, it summed up Brent immaculately in you know in that one moment, kind of yeah, across his whole persona. It was uh, yeah, very good. It's almost like Ralph's a professional. Knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, almost. He should have done that acting like, shouldn't he? Bless him. Yeah. Stop messing around with that football. Um, <laughs> talking of football, there was probably another good, solid half an hour of uh, a football chat that we have actually uh, chopped up and made into a separate episode. So uh, we will put that out as well. But we didn't want to drag on for, for too long. Um, you know, people got stuff to do. Gardening, DIY, another yeah. lockdown activities, quizzes. There's- on, the, on that point, found found out today, a girl that I used to work with has started a pet sitting business. <laughs> right. Uh, pet pet sitting during a, a lockdown? What are we saying? Well, has she just started it or is she? No, just, is... just launched. <laughs> um, well, I mean. You, Optimistic, you... I'd say. <laughs> You'd hope that um there's going to be a period where people are returning to normality and therefore the pet sitting industry can begin to boom again long-term um, planning yeah my, always thinking i i think if i was investing i probably want to see how it all pans out a bit first um you know working from home is probably going to become more accessible now for everyone pets are probably going to be less required to be sat but you know We'll see. Steve, keep us updated on that one. Six weeks' time. Okay. We'll, we'll see how she's doing, if she wants to call Sounds in. Sounds about right. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and look, I we mean... Will, we'll, we'll do an ad. 
be fine. Yeah, well, I was going to say straight away, she's got a plug on here. So if you've got any pets <laughs> and they need looking after, then Steve's mate sort you out. So yeah. Yeah. Get in touch. <laughs> I'll get you a special price. See. I'm Ralph not making did, any promises. I, I can't do that. Ralph didn't know about any of this nonsense to do before he came. In. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know he was going to be in the same episode as an amateur pet sitter. I can only assume it's amateur because it's probably not yet had any gigs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep keep on dreaming. <laughs> Pipe dreams. Keep are good. up the poodling. <laughs> Very good. On that note, I'll see you next time. <laughs> Steve, um, my cats need feeding next week. I'm away. Don't mind. Popping, <laughs> <do> you? <laughs> see you later. See you later. I would like to leave this city. This old town don't smell too pretty. And I can feel the